0: Podcast Network Asia. And I couldn't breathe. (laughs) And I was struggling to breathe. I was like, oh my God. And I see all these other players from the Army, the Air Forces, they're running rings around me.
1: Largely credited for helping the Philippine football team climb almost 70 spots up the world ranking, James and his brother Phil became a Philippine household name about 10 years ago. Today, we unpack his upbringing, how he coped with the tragedy of his parents' death, his perspective on media attention, and what's next. We are joined by Tony de la Cruz and his wife Belay, whom you'll hear pop in and out of our conversation. A note about the audio. This interview came together hours before James and Tony were to leave Los Angeles and we conducted the interview in a park. You'll hear some birds chirping and kids playing in the background. This is partially Pinoy, and we are powered by Podcast Network Asia and Podmetrics. Hi, James. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) So you don't know this, but I have known about your story or peripherally for years (laughs) because of my own searching for my... My own brothers and sisters being um, half Filipino, half Iranian, yeah. and not um, having had any siblings and learning that the Philippine national soccer team had several mm. for years. And so that led me to getting to follow and, and know a lot of the people you know.
0: Yeah, <laughs>
1: And so to me, this really is a full circle moment. So, thank you. Oh, no. So thank much. you.
0: It's, it's glad that we have mutual acquaintances and stuff. So, no, yeah, they're really awesome guys. <laughs>
1: truly, truly mm-hmm. amazing. Uh, the first question I get when I tell people I'm half Filipino, half Iranian is How did your parents meet? <laughs> and I offer that question to you yeah. How did your parents meet?
0: Uh, kind of old school way, eh, which I think would work differently today with technology. Uh, they were pen pals. Uh yeah they met uh, through a Philip it's called Filipino Friendship Club and it was sending love letters to each other and uh they would write letters uh my dad was based in the UK and my mum was in the Philippines so originally from Malabon and yeah they they met through uh, other Filipinos and then they would write letters and yeah that's how they connected <laughs> So
1: how did your dad even know that this existed and that and, and why was he dating in England at the time, British women? T- tell me about how that segue happened.
0: Uh, well, actually, my, I have a half-sister. She had a hard, half-brother. Uh, my dad was married before to a uh, Brazilian. And yeah, that's why I know about his dating history. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, it, it, their marriage didn't quite work out. And yeah, I think my dad went out and met other people, uh, maybe some through business, And yeah, and um, met, uh, I think, people who knew the Philippine community as well. And that's how they uh, connected.
1: (laughs) And then just through people they knew, Mm -hmm. he discovered that your mom was looking for a pen pal and he was as well. And so they started writing this. So they fell in love through letters.
0: Yep, letters and also cassettes. Uh, Yeah, they'd, um, and then when my dad would, when we were younger, would work uh, and our mom would do her. uh, kitchen stuff, uh, preparing us uh, our meals for the day. She, uh, our dad would listen to it while he'd be working, and it was really sweet and stuff. And um, but yeah, that's uh, that's how ch- how things were in the house when we were younger. <laughs>
1: wow! So it sounds like he's a romantic. Yeah. Uh, did you find yourselves sort of viewing future relationships in this way? This with a lot like th- was that sort of embedded in how you? Maybe in your brother, I don't want you to speak for him, but like, <laughs> is that sort of how you approached relationships, like with this example of your dad?
0: Yeah, um, I do. I, well, I'll be honest, yeah, I, I try my best to be a romantic. And obviously now it's a bit different. Um, me and Tony and Bella talk about now you wouldn't have pen power, now you'd have sliding into DMs. And, um that's how things are with technology, and it's quicker as well. And I'm a very impatient person, but yeah, it's, I try my best to be a bit romantic. And when I meet someone who I feel I've connected with and got to know them a bit longer, I'll um like my dad, yeah maybe yeah write letters over time and stuff, and yeah, it's uh just here now it's really it's good like and I still hold that to this day of how how that's how my my dad and my mom got together
1: wow mm-hmm. what what a beautiful story, I did want to mention that Tony Dela Cruz is also with us, <laughs> and you're welcome to Thank follow you. up with questions <laughs> as desired, so okay, so your parents fell in love, mm-hmm. your mom was in the Philippines yep. when did she go to England? Did he go to the Philippines? How did they finally meet?
0: Uh they well, they would continuously write letters to each other. And then my dad, I think when he got time off work, he he was a chartered accountant at the time. And he would visit like every for two weeks of the year, I think, from work and visit my mom and hang with her and also other uh friends of his, uh other Britons, uh Brit, uh, Brit guys and then
1: In Manila. In
0: Manila this and this is roundabout yeah, they met in 1985 and after some t- after a bit of time they decided to get married. And then 1986 I was born. Okay, <laughs> so they
1: got married in Manila?
0: Uh no, in England. In, in England. England, yeah. And I so, actually had a, a remember the picture of them at their wedding together.
1: <laughs> and how um how was that? How did so did your mom's family go to England Was she by herself?
0: She was by herself at the time and uh, I think, yeah, but my mum would always stay in contact with, uh, Philippine fam- uh our Filipino family and through on the phone whenever they could. And they'd send stuff back and forth as, uh, we Filipinos do and, um, and then I think, yeah, over years come by, some family members of my mum would visit uh, the UK. Obviously, things were a bit harder, and some still today with travel restrictions. And then, uh yeah, and then my mum and dad would go on vacations, especially when I was born and my brother. We'd go every school uh, summer holidays to visit my mum's family, and it'd be, yeah, it'd be like we'd be in a hotel room of back then it was the uh Philippine Plaza West Inn, and now it's the Sovatel and we'd be in a hotel and then my mom's family would, and uh, my family would be all in the rooms running around and stuff and was my mom just being at home for that time
1: <laughs> and and then how did your dad's family accept mm. your mom like how was that encounter
0: uh, it was it was very really good uh became really close uh before my mom passed away uh she always stay in constant after my dad passed away also uh My dad, uh, no, my mom would still contact with my aunt in the UK and my uncle. Um, So it's a small, my dad has a small family side, but my mom has a bigger family side in the Philippines. And yeah, we were close in, uh, close with some and maybe not so close with others. But yeah, it was, it was uh, a lot of. Uh, back and forth between the philippines and the uk when we were younger
1: which is amazing i don't think a lot of mixed mm. kids get that i've heard of mm. the, the story from yeah. from you and your brother before mm. but i don't know a lot of mis- mixed kids are always going back mm. and forth to yeah. the philippines to get yeah. that
2: exposure is big
1: yeah. it's yeah. huge you know i grew up in the philippines the first 12 years and you know we came to the states a couple of times maybe on on holiday on vacation mm. but iran maybe once or twice but it wasn't sort of this constant thing which is what it sounds like it was for you it was
0: regular yeah it was maybe one year we'd go come to the states instead but it was always the philippines was a priority holiday destination during the summer holidays for us and it was cool we looked forward to it and it was uh, like back then as well like um didn't have entertainment on the plane so it was a long plane ride <laughs> and like um me and my brother we, we don't like sitting still for so are running around the plane and, and back then it was also you had uh there was smoking was still allowed on the plane so we <laughs> remember being very smoky and it was great it was great we were fine, We just look forward to meeting our cousins and uh hanging out with them and obviously it gets a bit confusing who's your cousin who's your uncle and then you have someone my age who's my my mum's uh, my mum's cousin. is like, well, how does that work? There's an age difference and stuff. So you're just working out the math when you're really young. And now I I look forward to going back to the Philippines. We wanted so badly to ride the jeepneys and hang off the back and live dangerous. I was like, no, it's too dangerous. And it was good. It was really yeah. good. And so, yeah, we're very thankful we got to experience that growing up.
1: Did you speak Tagalog with your mom growing up?
0: Uh not so much. <laughs> okay. We'd hear one word and our dad would our dad would speak it as well actually like uh, What would he say? Uh what would he say? He would just say the the super basics. Maligadala. <laughs> uh Alicadito. Yeah. Uh <laughs> Oh, bruh. yeah <laughs> when we heard to Gallagher when we were younger you'll laugh at this one it was it was always when our mum was super angry at our <laughs> relatives back in the UK I think and you just hear her uh, like like swearing in the like <laughs> and she'd always uh, say the thing oh, just scarlet yeah <laughs> just super angry of passion she'd be really hot-headed and and yeah we learn a little bit by bit I wish I learned a bit more when I was younger and I kind of wish I learned more I wanted to but for some reason, they put me doing French in school and my brother did Spanish and they were quite similar. And that's my excuse why my brother speaks better than me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so that's a constant theme I hear from all these interviews is that I wish I spoke Tagalog yeah. better. I wish I was exposed to yeah. it. So it's definitely a lesson for children that you're raising is Mm -hmm, to try to it's hard it's mm -hmm. very hard to do um i speak For i say so i went you know in, in manila they teach all the other classes in english except for like tagalog and history. Mm. So I learned Tagalog that way and a little bit on the streets, you know, you're just playing with friends. Yeah. But Farsi, my mom had to deliberately sustained yeah. every day <laughs> speak Farsi to me no matter what. And she even said, Layla, when I became a teenager and rebelled, she said, I am not going to speak with you and answer you unless you speak to me in Farsi. Wow. Wow. And that's what it took. It, it That is what it takes to yeah. be able to speak a language outside of the country, I think. Yeah. It's so hard to do, mm-hmm. right?
0: Yeah, you need to, as I said, it needs to be consistent. like, so I, yeah, I wish I did that when I was younger.
1: When did you realize that you were maybe a little different growing um, up in, in, you know, leafy England yeah. suburb?
0: I think it's when, well, we, in England it's called, uh, when I started primary school, first grade, we were the first year there. And it's when you're sitting down and you've got your legs folded and you look around, <laughs> you're like, okay, right, he's, white, he's white, he has curly hair, okay. Oh, his hair looks cool. Why is my hair not curly? And <laughs> you look at And I, I, I think, yeah, back then I was, the, uh, me and my brother, even though we're Irish twins, I I was the only, my brother was a year behind me, grade behind me, and I was the only one in my class of Asian descent. And, and it was... Um, Would you get bullied? Um for it not so much they they'd look at me and it's like i think yeah even they were like confused they didn't know what's going on what do they think you were (sighs) i don't know it was more like you just look to play around you're like you look i think uh, we all know at that young age you're just looking to fit in and you're like oh who can i connect who can be my friend here and i don't want to be on my own basically and i said and that's why when i went to the next grade when my brother joined me i didn't feel alone like oh my brothers would be now and then but i knew my cousin as well from my dad's side and he was a uh, maybe two three years older than me and he transferred schools to my school I was like, oh good someone i know as well and i didn't really see it as a difference like it was like even when my cousins for white as well it's as you go through the years then i think other kid when i'm in when you're in the playground kids would utter things i get some racist comments like what i get called ching um, and i was just sort of like process what does that mean <laughs> like yeah and then you're and then so then over time you hear what it means Your your friend tells you what that means and then it's like oh, okay you're all just trying you're not trying to be isolated you just want to try and fit in and and then i think that was a good thing when i played got more into sports into football it helped me just keep battling on and go against these things when things maybe
2: don't go your way and stuff, in, stuff. in england was there a huge or a uh, population of filipinos um, not that I'm aware of. Not like, could you, could you, could your mom go, oh, let's go eat at this Filipino restaurant?
0: Um, we did we'd go to a restaurant, but there was a, she had, we had loads of, my mom would have friends over. Ah, the, okay. the community over and it'd be different people each time. So yeah, you're right, so I, I, I think, think about that, that
2: experience friends. for him because mm-hmm. at least growing up in Southern California, there's a huge Filipino population. Right. Mm-hmm. And so with my experience, my dad could be like, oh, there's this restaurant I go to. And so we would see and be. I guess exposed to to that culture in that way, mm-hmm. but I can only I can't imagine for him and his brother where there was no like community there mm-hmm. other than just the the handful of friends. Yeah,
1: and, yeah. How far was London for from, you? Like from uh, the drive.
0: Drive uh, an hour and a half. Okay. Well, yeah, we grew up in Surrey, Middlesex, uh, Surrey and Middlesex on the border in Staines. And yeah, it was, but yeah, she said so, like, we'd have friends, and then they'd have kids, the Philippines, and then that's one you go, oh, you but then some of them were girls. So it's like, oh, how well, does it, like, it's okay. It's so, you st- at a young age, we're still learning. But I think when I got closer to the high school, I started to, yeah, I knew what, where I was, my mom was from. I had a better understanding, lot more about the culture. And yeah, I always say, like, we always say, you want to be things that you can't have. it. um, I think kids wanted to be. They said, oh, "I want to be tanned." And uh, I was like, "Oh, okay. They're Like you're lucky, James. You have got t- a-, a tan all year round and stuff." So <laughs> it's just. I found that interesting. I was like, "Oh, that's pretty cool," and yeah. I was just really proud of it and stuff. And I think when the years adjusted, me and my brother we went into the same grade. He jokes around that I was left. I was. I was held back. <laughs> I was like, "No." They the, the the principal said, "No." The 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 years changed that. They I changed
1: think, maybe the date, the cutoff yeah, date. Or
0: exactly, like yeah, that. exactly. Yeah, exactly. And then me and my brother, we did everything together. Like we we're in the same grade, same classes. And then we did all sports together. Uh, so that's why sports was so, so important for me to, to find myself really.
1: You know, maybe you'd felt like you fit in. Maybe you felt like you didn't fit in, but you were excelling at mm. a sport that I imagine every young English boy wants to excel yeah, at. So exactly. did that give you clout? Like all of a sudden, were you, did you have some sort of something to stand on mm-hmm. that set you apart and and kind of made you oh know,
0: yeah I'll be honest um you when younger we uh well like we all are, um when you're watching a lot of TV shows like I sent to Tony and Vale I thought I thought these TV shows were in England but they're actually in America and I thought oh that's how it is oh they got the cheerleaders why is the the life like that. And when you're watching these shows, you see, oh, the, the jocks, the most popular. And then oh, I want to be the jock. So that's why you get into sports. And when you excel it, you're like, oh, I'm really proud. And that's what I want to be. That's what I want to do. And when I said me and the good thing about me and my brother was we did football together or something. We shared and I, we tried loads of sports when we were younger, I tried swimming, tried uh, track and field, tried taekwondo and. Right, we did quite well at those sports, but we chose football because it was a sport we could do together. And I think it was something as well, our mum and dad didn't have to separate to go see us participate in different things. It was yeah. something we could all do together. And yeah, you're right. Uh, with football being like basically a religion in the UK and Europe, it's what everyone wants to do. And I think when you're we were in grade school, we, you didn't think you could earn money through the sport. You just wanted to play and have fun. But then when people start, we start... Learning more about how the system works with professional athletes, then you're like, oh, I can earn a living when I'm older." And I, you'd even track, "Oh, this player, this is how old he is, and he's my position, and he's got that jersey number." Oh, when he, so he'll stop playing, I could take his place. That's how you think. You're like, "I want to be that. I want to be learned." So yeah, it's, uh, that was how it was growing up. <laughs> and
1: I know Beckham was your, you modeled your play yeah. <laughs> after yeah, Beckham, the,
0: exactly. Well, yeah. <laughs> he was a great great role model for us and yes it we talk about relatability and him being from london playing for manchester united we're be- but they're so far apart and actually like i want to follow and those like have a similar career path to that yeah
1: yeah i know roger Federer. Mm-hmm. he talks about how he was so glad that he played many different sports mm-hmm. growing up and that has really helped him and yep. his tennis was that the same for you getting to do all these other things and
0: yeah definitely yeah when we were talking earlier i said that's the good thing with football and soccer like it's working on all, a lot of uh, body movement and especially the uh, lower body a lower part of the body and it's yeah it's what he said has helped him with his movement in tennis and stuff and helped him achieve and that's and they even these av- they wish they pursued football more <laughs> as well it's but they've Like you said, like Roger Federer, he's done so well. He's probably the greatest ever when it comes to tennis. And so I said, like, I love playing. I always try and relate football to other sports, but it's, I think if you go to the more in-depth level, then you can see the differences.
1: And so back to your family Mm -hmm. and how that experience was. So you're living in England. I have sort of a vision of what growing up again in the suburbs of England might be like, and then every year you go to the Philippines, what what was sort of your thought about like this country this this humid <laughs> busy crowded country compared to and i'm sure you were also like doted on mm-hmm. in that way so wh- what was that like growing up and doing that
0: it was fun it was, i said like i say it's you just compare the differences right it's like really hot and stuff and I think as well, we love going there and we loved interact playing with kids, our our cousins and stuff. And there was always the Filipino parties that our mum loved arranging and and traveling to the beaches and stuff. And you don't, don't get beaches like that in England so it was like it was nice to have that and good thing I had my brother around to run around and play with him and it was good I was really proud to come back to school and tell everyone about the holiday where we'd been and stuff and I was really proud like you are know, like this one Tony um, when I wanted to get a basketball jersey and like, we went oh Philippines has loads of basketball jerseys so we'd get like the basketball gear and then we'd bring it back to school and show our friends and they'd be super jealous and stuff <laughs> it's like San Miguel yeah like because <laughs> yeah, like, we had friends who went into basketball we wanted to like uh, fit in with them and stuff so yeah <laughs> (laughs) (laughs)
1: so you're going to the philippines at the same time you're excelling at the sport Mm -hmm. i I listened to your entire interview with chris yep so i kind of know the story of of how it went at chelsea what went how it started what Mm -hmm. went down and so i'll encourage people to listen to that to kind of get the Mm nitty-gritty what i'm going to ask you is that as you're beginning to excel in the sport Mm -hmm. you know you have dual citizenship when did it dawn on you that I am good enough to play for a national team Mm. of a country. Mm -hmm. Maybe at the time you're thinking they're ranked 190th. I don't know. Like, well, how does all of this play into it? Or did they come to you? So Chris gave me the story of how his mom actually knocked on the door of the coaches Mm -hmm. and said, I have a son (laughs) who plays soccer. So I kind of credit his mother with starting Mm -hmm. this whole thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, He said, it's not a well-told story, (laughs) but I I love that his mom just knocked on that door but yeah. so so tell me what was it what were you thinking at that point because the philippine national soccer team was nothing mm. around the time you guys started right
0: well, yeah well i would say this one we were like it was at the time we were training regularly for chelsea football club and me and my brother we went we, we went we literally went into the locker rooms together and all the older boys the ones they're all standing talking and it's like it's like it went quiet in the room and they just said to us they turned to us and philippines and we were confused at first, but they were like, with, they said they're talking about which other nationalities each of them can play for, and like some play for Scotland, some played for like can play for other other nations. And they were like, Philippine, because it's quite far away, in, being in Asia. And me and my brother at Chelsea, we're the only Asian players, and we're, and they were like, hey, you, you boys should go there, you you'd you be stars there. And How old be, were you? We we're seventeen and eighteen. Okay, and then like. And they're like, um, you should do it, boys. And we're kind of like, can we? Like that's when we like internet was just getting more established then. And so we went on the PFF website, we're like, Oh, wow, we're learning more sort of likes of Ali Baromeir, Chiffy Kaligdong, and they're oh this looks really cool. And then we literally the day after, we got um we got called into our coach's office and he said I've just got an email here from the Philippine Football Federation. They're asking, would you guys be interested in going to play in the next tournament next year for them? And we're like, we were just talking about it. It's just like the timing of it all. And and then uh, Domica flew over and we he met with my mom and they were sorting out our part Philippine passport, all the requirements and stuff. And it was just going like that. We're like, oh, this is really happening. And And we're just like... Our coach like, you should do it. It's great to play for your country and everything. And, like, I think what we liked about it was like, it was a different route compared to what ev- most players were doing. In the, and we're like in Asia as well, and so we did that. And then we travelled to for the holidays again. And we actually took one of our Chelsea teammates with us. His name's Jimmy Smith. He now he's now at Yovo Football Club, and he came and he 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 loved it in the Philippines and stuff as well. And like we trained, and he joined us in training with us with Coach Arias and. We just trained. Of course, it was a bit of a adjustment playing at ultra, and because we, cause we facilities used, wise, facilities wise, I yeah. think that was the thing they had. And being like, we come from Chelsea, we we got to do this. And <laughs> I think the first training session, I was like, well, Ali joined in. Ali had his nice boots on and started. We started doing passing drills, the simple drills, and I'm punching it in like really fast. And I'm like, yeah, this I'm gonna I'm gonna boss it today. I'm really cocky. And then we did possession, which requires more running. And I couldn't breathe. <laughs> and I was struggling to breathe, I was like, oh my God. And I see all these other players from the Army, the Air Forces, they would running rings around me. And I was like, oh my God, this is not as easy as it would be. And of course it was a different, what we're used to in the UK in terms of um, the meals and the accommodate, but I think what was so great was how they had, they made so much adjustments just to make us feel welcome. And that's what me and my brother were like, oh, like we don't wanna leave because we love these we love the group it's so nice and everything and training was like six AM every morning we'd have to travel an hour and a half. It's not what we're used to and found out eventually on the trip that we were just, the reason we were called up was a kid had discovered that we had Filipino roots from a computer game which is a known football game around the world called Football Manager, which is like fantasy manager where you build your own teams. And we're like, Oh wow, that's really cool and That's yeah, how you
1: guys were discovered. discovered
0: yeah, to
2: put forward to the
0: Philippine football guy,
2: like, so the story that I know is that a guy was playing it and he goes oh Chelsea and it says there's Philippines mm-hmm. Philippine flag so this person contacted the PFF and was like yeah there's these Filipino kids playing <laughs> oh for Chelsea." oh my
0: gosh wow I have to train to dinner then, so to so, say so
1: does humidity affect your playing ability
0: if you're not yet it's you not yeah. used to that's why famous football <laughs> bull skulls he said to us but England will never win the World Cup because it's just too hot in these. When it comes to the World Cup, why the likes of Brazil have so such a good chance? Of but they need to
2: train in the Philippines
1: or in the Philippines. <laughs> yeah. It's like the, how the U.S. Olympic team trains mm. on the top of the highest yep. mountain in Colorado. Uh,
0: it's like well, here I just went like here in beautiful California. I went for I went a bit runnier, and I found it easier just to run a bit longer. Yeah. Compared to if I do I mean, I'm like I'm struggling
2: already. Like I played golf yesterday, and I was like, man. I'm not even sweating, <laughs> right? In yeah. the Philippines, you'd like be drenched and <laughs> changing, you're changing shirts and just walking. Just walking so it is a difference. Yeah.
1: yeah. So it affects your, and luckily for you, you're in air conditioned facilities. If we're
2: lucky. Yes. Oh, <laughs> really? Yes. It's not always air conditioned? Oh,
1: okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. So you are starting to see the possibility mm-hmm. of working yep. and playing for a national team yep. I would just find that so epic. You've done it as well, Tony, but how, I, like, how does that even like feel to think that, gosh, I am good enough to play for my mother's country. Like, mm-hmm. what does that feel like?
0: That was a, I think the thing that I'll be honest, uh, I kind of mentioned half of it earlier. Like when we first joined, we we're, I'll be honest, we were a bit hesitant because we weren't used to the certain, uh, preparation of the getting up early, train twice a day in the heat. And, and, but, Always talking to the coach, and even Vince Santos was there as well. And the other players that's what made us want to stay more. It's just the players, and we played a game, it was fun. But what really like the chance to play when we played in the first game was they had like I think close, it was a lot. The stadium, had stay in the stadium was full, you had people climbing trees just to watch us, and it was great. It was just like this is what you dream of when you're a young kid playing in these crowds. Like, and we're like, it didn't like. Obviously, when you're growing up, everyone want, they want to play in the NBA, they want to play in the Premier League. But we're like, this is different, and this something we, we had a taste of, and we wanted it. We wanted it to. We wanted more of it.
1: Did <laughs> and, you feel like you could play in the Premier League? Were you at level wise? Did you feel like that <laughs>
0: uh, could happen? Um, you dreamt of it for sure. I dreamt of it for yeah. sure. yes yeah. I mean, the game's evolved so much, and it's grown so much around the world. It's it's very competitive now. Being honest, it's very competitive. Um, like, I think like our dad was, and our mum and dad like our dad knew football. But I think in terms of you, if you know the sport well, with the how the system works, I think like now I know how it would work. And if I had a son, I'd know like yeah, the most important thing with anything is playing games. And I think mean, you need that opportunity. That's why we say if you're looking to make an appearance, more likely you're going to make it if you work your way from the lower leagues. And work your way up because you're constantly playing games. You're constantly being seen. Rather than if you start at a really top club with all these, they have the re- they have the funds and resources, but it's very difficult because you're not playing enough games.
1: So once I started learning about the Philippine national soccer team and going from obscure, unknown, unwinning. I, when I grew up in the Philippines, they never said like winners and losers. They would just say like winners and non-winners. So I'll just say <laughs> unwinning <laughs> team to the infusion of players from all over the world yep. rising up the ranks. Like first, what I know you and your brother are given a lot of credit for that rise. Would you give yourself the same amount of credit that people give you?
0: Um some
2: <laughs> some,
0: uh, some um, yeah but that's why I say it's it it sounds cheap, but i I believe it's true Foot, it is a team sport like me and my brother like, I think the reason we've done well is because we grew up together, we know each other well and we're able to play on the field like with that same same understanding really and that's why I would say it's the best teams like you can have a team with one superstar, but if the other players aren't doing their part, you won't win it's you need you need Eleven good players, and so I think it's all. And I think what was good at that time is I did mention this earlier, but when we started playing, we played maybe for two or three years, and then we took a break from the national team because we were a bit frustrated with the politics back then of how what, things. What was were the politics? Um, unpaid for flights <laughs> to, so uh, to. buy
1: your own tickets?
0: We bought our own ticket. Our mum bought our tickets, and we it to took a lot. Games? To, to the Term- to the philippines from the uk oh i see and they weren't reimbursed at the time being honest and it was just like yeah it was helping they were doing things at the time we didn't like that and then it was obviously like uh
1: who pays for the for national teams uh, it's paid
0: now by the well it was originally played by the philippine football federation the governing body okay and so it was that we took time off then and we weren't happy with the like the preparation in terms of it was not as that's compared to like that's the thing we compared it to when we first started. It was really good we enjoyed it but then like didn't have an understanding of some things like failed to understand at the time it was i was 20 oh no, i was 20 years old and there was an under 21 tournament but i couldn't play because i'm too old but i was like it's under 21s but i'm 20 years old and it just worked differently and over that time we we're understanding it's different compared to the how the europe system and that was a learning uh, time for us but when we made the decision to move to the philippines with our ultimate dream of of having a soccer school in the philippines and that was 2009 my brother was already there working between that time i was working jobs in the uk i was collecting cars from from people who couldn't afford to pay for their cars anymore i was, I was a tv extra on tv shows in the background i was uh, doing co- part-time coaching in the uk and there was a thing i was at a time where i was trying to discover what's next for me and then i think we just came to a point where let's move to the philippines like we enjoyed the football projects we have there i think we have more creative freedom there like we'd be able to do what we really want to do and what we really love doing and then yeah 2009 we made the decision to move to the philippines uh, with my brother and my sister and my mom at the time and some people are like, oh, it's risky it's like nah i think you're making a mistake close family friends from the uk but yeah it turned out to be a, a good decision and one that we didn't regret
1: We'll return to our show and hear more from our guest in just a
0: moment. There's been two times I've cried the most. I said this to Tony. It's and it's both been when my mum and dad have both passed away. I try. I, was, I first really hit hard, and the difference between my mum and dad passing away was my dad was because he had cancer was a thing over time, so there was time to spend with him.
1: This show is brought to you by Podcast Network Asia, powered by Podmetrics. Podmetrics takes care of the details so we can focus on making the best content for you. Visit podmetrics.co and sign up for free. Use code, partially Pinoy. So how far did your father see you and your brother play play
0: uh he just saw he didn't get a chance to see us play for the philippines unfortunately he passed away when we're actually before we played for the philippines so just before that time as well like so yeah he saw us play for the chelsea reserves and youth team and yeah got us to see uh, us for that club level
1: you know when your father passed away Mm -hmm. you would have been teenagers yeah um what was sort of the immediate like how did you grieve those early? what, what was your immediate way of coping and I know, I know. Now you speak about it with a lot of compassion. I think mm-hmm. for that time in your life and what you uh, learned from it. But yeah. you know, at the time, as a teenager, I know f- soccer, football was a distraction. But yeah. how did you? How did you cope? How did you grieve?
0: Um, well, how do I say it? <laughs> um, I think there's been two times I've cried the most. I said this to Tony. It's and it's both been when my mum and dad have both passed away. I try. I, was, I first really hit hard. And the difference between my mum and dad passing away was my dad was because he had cancer was a thing over time. So there was time to spend with him, but it was painful to see how, how like, and then we had our sister just born, she was two years old. So we try, we had that as well in the house. And I think, but then like, I remember on the day itself it actually happened, the hard thing was like, we didn't understand how this works, medical stuff How, how, it, and we we always with sports. You always want to have a positive attitude, and you're like, no, it's going to work out. And then when things got really bad, like they they were like, oh, mum said, oh, dad's going to go to this hospice, and like we're like, oh, that's a good thing, isn't it? Oh, they're, they're the ones who know what to do, and it's kind of like it was a thing where it kind of switched, and then. That night, he, when he they transferred him, he was in so much pain and agony that, and he passed away. And it was just, yeah. First, it was like, um, first it was really heartbreaking. I was in tears. This was at like 1 a.m. on a Saturday, and then my um, my my auntie, my Philip from my mom's side, she was staying with us actually to help out with our sister. And I remember her being the first one to hug me tight and like, like, say sorry and like, and I was like, um, comfort me, made me feel a bit better. But yeah, I remember tra- the drive to the to see our dad because we were at the house and he was at the hospice. And then like, I just remember seeing his body and being sad like, like, it's, what can I do? It's out of my hands. Like, I'm not in control here. Yeah. But yeah, I just said, all I can do is just, live life to the full and make him proud and because we grew up believe like yeah that like w- they'll always be looking down on us and stuff so yeah i just what i promised him like i actually held his hand and just promised him that yeah i'm gonna make you proud no matter what and i just remember the the w- lessons he taught me with the time we had together and what was right what was wrong and stuff so i just said i'm just gonna take that on board and make him proud he
1: he had left a legacy Not exactly yeah. a legacy exactly and how you wanted to live mm-hmm. and it sounds like there weren't people around you who were making you like bury those feelings you yeah. actually had people who yeah. wanted you to mm-hmm. express and yep. just with your aunt yeah. like hugging you yeah
0: my mom was just like my mom was concerned for me she was like, i think you're bottling up james you cry cool. let it out but i cried a bit but i don't know i just like just felt i had to yeah it's good to let it out but i just feel now i want to i'm already thinking about what's next and like i want to make my dad proud so
1: you know, my, my daughter, my five-year-old the other day asked, where does God live? Mm-hmm. And my natural answer is to say heaven, and I, you know, do believe that. Mm-hmm. But I just wanted to give a bit of nuance. I said, you know, he lives, he's actually all around us. It's just a different dimension yep. that we can't see mm-hmm. because he's made of different materials yep. from us. And and she said, oh, so you mean like he he got himself a wand and made himself invisible? <laughs> oh. It's just powerful to kind of see it in an eternal perspective Exactly. Yeah. he didn't get a chance to see what was to happen yeah. in the philippines how does it feel to represent your country on a national team like wow all three of you who i'm with have experienced this feeling how does yeah. that
0: feel oh it's very cool when you step on that field you just freak who you're representing and stuff that's and i'll be honest it's it's not about the money anymore it's about just playing and playing at the highest level you can and and like knowing you've got people supporting you and like you just rep it is true representation i say it's it's why i find it's a key moment to to step on the still and when you sing that national anthem which i found it was very important that and i understood it when we were told we have to learn to sing the philippine national anthem and i say i'm always proud to sing it and always proud to wear that jersey and like it's like yeah, this is the moment of what you dream of when you're a young kid of wanting to be a, an athlete. Yeah.
1: do you want to sing it now? I'm just kidding. On the spot. So, can do any of the national teams in the Philippines pay you enough or any of the teams in general to actually live well and support a family, or or did you have to support? this passion with other things. I know you and your brother have dabbled in lots of different yeah things. Is it actually possible to live off of what you're paid?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, Yeah. uh, Tell us. (laughs) (laughs) Tony I I think that from my understanding the way national teams work, it's you you probably receive some kind of like stipend, uh stipend or an allowance, but they're not going to sustain you for like, oh, you're on the national team, you're going to live for for Mm -hmm. fifty years. You, you, a lot of times you come from a professional club yeah. that, that does so that's that that's
1: what's supporting you that's what's yeah. supporting okay, you
0: okay yeah I think it's I'll be honest it really depends on the sport which is why it's a huge like it's great that people like I was watching the recent documentary uh, Weight of Gold where the Olympians talk about mental health and they like even them they're like we don't get paid enough. we have other jobs as well carpenters and stuff and I was like that's what it's about it's about it's about and that's why I feel when it's playing for the national team it's like yeah, it's nice that when everyone gets a piece of something, when you get bonuses and stuff. But I, I think it's really should people shouldn't be. It's really playing for the national team and like just that experience of playing in front of lots of fans and then having like your the country support you and follow you. Um, but yeah, it depends on some sports. And I've been honest. I've been fortunate enough to to be able given the opportunity to have uh, the sponsor and the support from from companies and individuals to to really work on the craft and build ourselves that's why i'm always like i don't like cheating i don't like feel I'll, I'll just take the money and i'm like no i'm gonna be the best you want me to be i'm gonna be, i'm gonna want to invest in myself and become the best because you believe in me and i gotta believe in myself and and i don't want them i don't like cheating or conning people I know. i'm gonna become the best athlete i can for you guys because you believe in me <laughs>
1: I I forgot to ask Misa this question, like how he got the deal with Nike. I was like, wow, that's like such an amazing
3: sponsorship. Sorry, who's this? Misa. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I just just wanted to point out it's about, you know, there might be like young athletes listening who would want to play for the Philippines in terms of like hearing about the teams, the professional leagues. But I just want to point out that you can be really good, you know, talented the Philippines—it's a combination of like if you're especially if you're coming from abroad—it is a combination of that talent, um, your dedication to the craft, but also your ability to assimilate, cause you're going to be you're basically like like foreign, but right? like ex- especially what Tony was saying. So there's a level of how do you make yourself. Fit in and stand out at the same time, because I was saying Tony, look, obviously you weren't the star franchise player of the team, except for he's, he claims he was a franchise player of Shell. No. <laughs> but no. What I'm saying is like, how were you over other people who were more talented, scored more points, able to sustain an 18-year career, and managed to be an assistant coach for the same team? Like, so there's something there that. I feel like needs to be talked about more. And it's not just about the hours you put in the gym. It's also like your character and the relationships, like never burning bridges. Like I think that's something that is overlooked that people don't really talk about um, when they're talking, explaining to kids how to make it to these teams in the Philippines. Like They always just say, work hard, work hard, you know. Be the best. Yeah, be the best you can be. But no, there's also a level. You have to admit there's a level of how well you can work with these people, assimilate with the teams that you're with and fit into the culture, not only of the Philippine culture, but the culture of the team mm. um, that you, or organization that you're signing up for.
2: The yeah. character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what, I was just going to add that like, I think that's what you see with a lot of the younger kids now is, where's my big deal? Mm. Where's my shoe deal? Where's my... Wait where's my, where are my plane tickets? It's like immediately they, they come to the Philippines and it's like, give me, give me, give me. Instead of what Bell is saying is, are you learning how to adapt mm-hmm. and be a part of the culture, learning how to understand how the system works? And of course, like I'm all for compensation. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not trying to say, you know, everyone needs to just do whatever the the organization says, but there is a level, a huge level of, you have to be able to meet clubs halfway yeah. and what's fair. And what's yeah. fair. Yeah. But I think a lot of times they see, oh, that's the NBA. It should be like that when I get to the Philippines. Mm-hmm. Where's my where's my car and driver? Where's my mm-hmm. I should be earning this? It's yeah, like Well go to the out. NBA yeah, then. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. <laughs>
3: exactly. That's, <it. laughs> that's what they say. Like, go play wherever you want to play then. Yeah. Don't yeah.
2: compare so.
1: us. I love what you said, Tony, about like, give me, give me, give me, versus like, what can I... Exactly. What give? do I bring to the table? Yeah. So what's your perspective on compensation? And I know basketball is different from football, and the yeah. Philippines not yet as popular, yeah. but
0: what... Uh, again, I said... Uh, I believe it should be what's fair. Yeah. I think mean, it's, that's what I mean. Like when I'm younger, I didn't understand the business side of sports, but as you get older, you get into the craft, you, yeah, you may not get paid, but the education you're learning, the experience, we would say it's like, you can't buy experience. So that's, and that's so valuable. And just learning about like how the business model, works. I think it's, changing a lot now with the likes of social media and at the end of the day it's sport sports entertainment isn't it like and it's communities it's like as tony said it's like the value you bring and i think that's what i always say that's what the goal should be to to inspire people to like entertain and if you're entertaining you're gonna have people watching you and how you can affect and change their lives and that has value and and TV net, that's how the model works. It's the TV companies pay, pay to showcase these games on TV that will get people watching and inspired. And that's how the model works. It's, it's like if people, if a sports person doesn't understand, like that you're going to get paid and no one's watching, it's like, how does that work? <laughs> it's yeah. like, where, where does the money come from? If not, it's, I'll be honest, it's going to, it's the word, it's charity. And especially now with the pandemics, like it's hard, it's, it's, will take time to rebuild. But at the end of the day, it's like, that's why the goal of sports should be to build communities. And that's how value is built. And, and I see, as Tony and Bella said, that's how you, you bring your value.
1: And, you know, this is interesting now talking about how you and your brother were able to, um, you know, almost within that Sports culture, you created the attention and the, you, you brought some value beyond just the playing of the sport. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would you agree with that? I and, know, be
0: honest, I've, and let's say I think it helped that we had a, our role model growing up was David Beckham. Yeah. The uh, biggest, probably ever say, ambassador for soccer and football ever. Yeah. And like, even he's, he's in the States now with his club, which is fantastic. And he's building a community in Florida. And I think that's what you gotta do. And it's, that's, that was an influence in life. And I say, you're growing up, you always have like our mum and dad were our idols growing up, influence and be honest, David Beckham. And like, it, you always need those role models to sort of have that career path to work on, not exactly copy exactly what they're doing, but they can influence you and help you learn it's it's worked for them so it shows it can work
1: yeah and you can customize it too like you can become mm-hmm. like your own version of that yeah exactly for others yeah. did you struggle with your identity being half filipino playing on the national team or was it comfortable that everybody else was mixed race or
0: uh, it was comfortable yeah you had obviously like I'll be honest, it's how it is. It's even when I was at Chelsea Football Club, you'd go into the lunchroom and you'd have all the French players together. You'd have all the uh, English players together and you'd have all the coaches together, the Portuguese players. And I mean, it's just that relatability and they talk about reminiscing over time. Like, see, when it came to the national team, you had the locals on one table and... Uh, you had uh, the Phil, uh, Phil Brits together, the Phil Americans, the Phil Spanish players, and I think it's just that relatability and talk like, and actually when you talk, you talk about uh, times when you're younger, a bit like we talk to Chris and Simon Great and Phil Great Rich. About times at professional football clubs in the UK, how hard it was, and like how they got race uh, racism uh, as well. Like songs sung about how they look, and it's like, and we're like, yeah, we got that too when we're in a high school, like just walking along, and we get called these words and stuff. And it's good. It shows. We joke around. We got to. We said we got to each other. I thought we were the only ones and stuff. Um, Was that
1: cathartic? To to Uh, encounter people so similar to you. Yeah,
0: exactly. And I even, we talk to the like, we relate to the likes of the Phil German players of growing up, where we talk about, yeah, how we used to stay up to watch The Rock on WWE and stuff. And I say, you just have those things in common, and that's, I think, what builds a connection, and I think that builds good team unity.
1: Tell me about the quote-unquote glamorous side (laughs) of the work that you did because it feels to me Mm -hmm. listening to your stories just being a human being Mm -hmm. that the glamour is not the glamour it's all kind of this facade but you're (laughs) in an environment where people idolize you for Mm -hmm. what they think Mm -hmm. is the glamour when their reality is so different was that a struggle at all people kind of fawning on you and Mm -hmm. your brother and wanting to know who people are dating like, how was that aspect was it like annoying was it
0: um i didn't find it annoying i think if I, I found it interesting i like to study i like to i spoke like i'm into movies i like to analyze how the evolution of movies over time and where that person was inspired for this and i think when it comes to the glamour so i analyze that that not everyone's going to be in watching sports because they're a sports fan they may be interested because they may find this person's good looking or so and so it's, there's different markets different and like think it's me. i remember watching it like there's some sports you watch because oh i saw that model like um for that advert or something and that's what people are more into it's not every i think that's the thing not everyone's the same i say not everyone's watching sports because the sports itself they're like they like lo- it's entertainment for them that's how it works like and it's just how they how it's built and that's the interesting thing that I like studying. So I, I wouldn't say it's a bad thing, I just say it's an interesting thing. And I think as it as us with sport, we're just like we wanna we wanna influence and build the community, build get people more interested in the sport. And if that's if that's by getting into different markets, that's fantastic. Like and uh like it's like, you see it again into the fashion industry. People are like, oh, I remember I had friends come and watch football for the first time. And the first thing they call is like, oh, I like the color of his soccer shoes. <laughs> That's what I mean. That's what people are into. And even basketball, it's fashion with the shoes as well. And I mean, there's just lots of different avenues to it. And yeah, I just... I, I, li- I, be honest, I like that part of it as well like of course it's just like when you're a sports person or into the craft so much you're like oh no it's the sport it's, you should be in it for the sport but I, I appreciate the other sides of the aspects of it all
1: I love
3: that <laughs> I love I love that so much you have yeah, a question? I have
0: additional yeah, sure.
3: no I, I don't know if you remember this but when you guys were younger and you just were like I think we, you were with um, Sanbed at that time yeah. smart and like I don't know if you remember this that you and Phil were just so different when it came to the attention. <laughs> Do you remember that you were like more like shying away from it, and we yeah. would drive around the car. Phil would like <laughs> roll the window <laughs> down and like wave at yeah. people. Like he loved it. Mm-hmm. I think there's just an evolution in how you guys, I don't know, but dealt
1: with it. Yeah, can yeah. you
3: talk us through that one? And yeah. I also
1: think that Tony have a comment about this too. I can tell.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, interesting you asked that one, Bella. It's like. No, I was happy for my, I was proud of my, I always felt growing up being a cooler like for me, it was important that my family was looked after and it went, I've, I'll be honest, my brother became more popular than me. And How did that for, feel? Uh, no, it was fun. It was fun. I, did, I, was, I was just, you know, I was just It was happy. fun. I hate that
2: guy.
1: <laughs>
0: you know what? Like it uh-huh. was, I say it was fun because I was just happy that I was doing what I've always wanted to do, which is play sport, have my family involved. And I, like just a chance to be creative, so I was like, I've got what I wanted. It's like I don't want crave this other thing. And like, there was a funny asked that like I remember being in um, for the national team. We went to Baguio for a, a camp, and one lady she report she was reporting. She asked us a question. She goes, she was like, she goes to me, how does it feel that your brother's more popular than you? And I was kind of like i don't know how to answer that so i just walked away and then coach wise like oh you did the right thing walking away from a question like that and i was like yeah because i can see what she's trying to do and i'm just like i'm just not into i just i love i love playing football and doing what i wanted to do and hey i'm in a great cam and having people watch and uh, and you
1: love your brother i love my brother i'm happy it's unconditional love yeah exactly
0: and like, I think, and as well, that's why it was great. We got to do all the projects, uh, soccer school together and got some endorsements together. And I just, he got more endorsements than me. And I was like, I was happy with that because I was like, I'm happy. I'm getting something as well. And I always find, I'm always looking at the best case. Someone's, uh, everyone's winning in some ways. And I was just comfortable with how things were. <laughs> yeah.
1: Tony, do you have a comment on the glamour versus um, the reality?
2: Yeah, I think that's what you... I'm not on social media anymore. Like I swore off social media. And again, I don't judge anyone. I, I see the benefits of social media. But for me, I think it's it, it's so negative for me. Like, because I'm always thinking, why don't I have that life? Or I should, that's happiness, right? Like, and I realize it's an advertisement. And you're only going to post the best uh, angle of that picture, of that selfie. You're only going to post, you know, like everyone's, you know, pictures, like the, the funny one where you're just laughing in the park, right? And it's like, who takes that picture, right? And again, I'm not judging, but I realized that's not real to me. And so I'd rather have connection this way. But when you're in that environment and you think, oh, I have to be popular, I'm I'm a star. And it's cool. It's cool if someone knows your name and they're like, hey, can I get an autograph or can you get a picture? Awesome. But before I was so affected if they didn't know my name, it was my ego. And then after a while, I just was like, "What does this matter? This doesn't. Make a difference for me, I just realized me checking social media every day, I was always comparing my life to somebody else 's life and it 's like the, you know people would just post various pictures, and that 's awesome for them like they have a new car they 're on vacation they're you know they 're eating at this restaurant they're, they're, this burger's on their table it 's like great that 's awesome, but I realize i don 't need to like see this every day to be reminded that i don 't have that so I Did think you it was say
1: burgers on there. You know, table? like when people yeah. take,
2: take like I these know, they like do. gourmet burgers and they're yeah. like, I <laughs> don't know who does that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> the guy next to me does it. But again, <laughs> I don't <laughs> I don't judge. It's it's their journey. Yeah, exactly. And for me, it's like I might as well get off it. Like if I so I got off social media, mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and that helped. Do you feel like that helped your mental oh,
2: health? Oh, one hundred percent. Like that that was a huge huge contributing factor. But it is cool. I'm not going to lie. It is cool to... There's good things to it. It's though. good things too. It's like people... The
1: attention. Yeah. Where,
2: you know, you might get out of a traffic ticket every now and now and again in Manila. But, um, you yeah. know, there's a funny story where we went on a trip and I think I told this story on the, uh, on the interview the other day where somebody was like, oh, can I get a picture? And it was this younger kid. And I was like, oh, cool. A younger kid knows who I am. Oh, my mom's going to flip out. And I'm like, <laughs> I guess that's how old I am now, yeah. so... <laughs> So you have those moments, but, you know, I'll look back in the, at this moment in my life and I'm like, that was pretty cool. I yeah. did get to meet some cool people, play in, in some cool environments. But where am I? yeah, internationally. I mean, for
1: the national team, I mean. And
2: then at the same time, too, for my club and these big games and these big moments and then I had a cool career. But that's yeah. done now. and. I have to move on with this part of my life. Next chapter. <laughs>
1: so are you guys at a point in Manila when you walk around that people recognize you regularly, that that's just kind of a thing?
2: Yeah, some okay. do. <laughs> okay. Yeah, some, some do. do.
1: Tell me about the, you know, you're living in the Philippines now with your with your brother and your sister and your mm-hmm. mother and your mom also passes away yeah. how what was the t- difference in time between when your dad and then your mom um
0: our dad was 2003 and our mom was 2011 i was glad that our mom got to see uh see us i think reached the height of the azcals the uh, blowing up yeah. she was actually at the stadium in Rizal memorial to watch us play sri lanka where it was big bars and it was the hottest ticket in town and it was great that like she. I could see how proud she was that, like, her. I'm sure in the Philippines growing up, and she's got two boys, and like, and the sacrifice she made, move into England, and now come back to the Philippines. And I mean, I was, I've. That was a nice thing for me that she was there for the journey to to see that, and yeah, yeah and uh, but yeah, it was that. What I said earlier, it was I think that was the difference with my dad. Part of my dad one was a gradual one way deteriorated but my mom was kind of, she she had diabetes she was a bit sick but it kind of just happened out of nowhere like uh, we were actually with the national team at the time and uh, you mean traveling we we're traveling we and that's what made and we got a phone call from our sister that our mum won't wake up and it was really it was like out don't and um then uh we tried booking a flight back to um back to me and there's nothing till the next morning so time was really it was just that was, yeah i cried really hard and i think what was great about that was that we had teammates come into our room and hug us so before, when my dad i had my auntie hugging me and this one i had the likes of matthew hartman mark hartman like coming in our room like making sure we're okay and consoling us and i think that that's why i remember those are the moments i remember who was there for you when those things happen and uh but yeah that was that was the one that was really and tragic 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 and there was a uh but yeah we had to play football and obviously the coach gave us a bit of time off but i think for that again it was when that happened i just wanted to get back playing just to continue to making the parents proud and stuff so
1: was the grief different
0: um yeah i think it was because I was got used uh, I had the experience of before with my dad and we were a lot younger then but I think when our mom we were we were a lot older and like had dealt with what happened to our dad so it was it was about again what we said before we believe everyone's like and our mom's buried in the Philippines our dad's buried in England so whenever we, we try our best to visit them as much as we can and on, especially on their birthdays and and special days. <laughs>
1: Um and your sister how old was she at the time?
0: Uh she was wait 2001 2000 she was eleven years old. She was eleven. She was really young as well, like, And she had a. Uh, she wasn't. She was with our cousin, uh, roughly her age, staying. Like, he would stay in the house with us, so she wasn't alone when that happened. But yeah. it was. Yeah, it must have been really tra- traumatic for her. So
1: then you also then became the de facto mm-hmm. caregiver. Yeah,
0: yeah. Me and my her. brother became and Lug- still are. Yeah, we became legal guardians of our sister from uh, when when that happened, and it was. The good thing as well was we had our close family of friends, such as Kathy uh and Nazarena and Georgia Jesus Durian to really help us with the transition of things. And back then we had a quite a busy schedule. So.
1: You have always been very proud of being Filipino. Very, yeah. <laughs> i proud to represent mm. your country always. When you think of your Filipino identity, you know, in your day-to-day life and whether it benefits you or…
0: Yeah, no, I'm very polite. I think it might sound bad of me saying, but I think when you're really young, you you just want to be, you kind of want to be like everyone else. You want, As I said earlier, you want to fit in. But as you get older, you're like, no, it's good to be different. It's good to be different. And that's what we say, everyone's on their different journeys. And, and uh, like, again talk about movies I find it interesting everyone has their own different journey and they're, they're different uniques and different kinds people should embrace that and be proud of that and why so I, I like being coming to America and experiencing new things and adjusting to things and like going back to the UK I'm, I'm proud to tell my story of uh, being Filipino and how my journey of from the UK to the Philippines and stuff and I always think back of those times of course it's important to think about the future as well but i mean it's good to hold on to those memories i still hold on to everything that like every filipino fan's given me like when it comes to like little uh uh filipino emblems and stuff I keep them all and i because i'm really proud of them all yeah.
1: um, in the movie of your life
0: mm-hmm.
1: what will you be starring in in five to ten years
0: and who plays you I talked earlier about I had a bit of taste in production I've always been interested in movies I realised football was my first passion and, and then movies was my second one I wanted to try originally I thought the plan would always be um uh, play football then the usual become a coach and then look to work your way there and but I don't know just over time things have changed i like I like trying new things and I still want to be involved in football I still love coaching and like it's just I've seen the difference like I said going from working two hours a day of being an athlete then doing long shoots <laughs> and I'm like it's not what I expected and now I would like to be involved in coaching and I would like to help people get more involved in uh playing football and pursuing their dreams really so i think yeah it's going to sound very cliche but it is true i i i'm so thankful for what i've been given and the opportunities and the people around me but i would like to help other people achieve their dreams really
2: who would play you though if there was a movie about your life about my life (laughs) (laughs) um i'd hold open auditions because yeah
0: we're going more (laughs) into the crowd (laughs)
1: Partially Pinoy is a Podcast Network Asia production in partnership with Bridger Media in Los Angeles. Our show is developed and executive produced by Leila Jerusalem. The series is produced by Nikai Lukányas.